I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Uh, hi, thanks for uh, joining us for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Uh, this week, we're talking a little bit about our favorite books um, featuring Muslim characters. Um, and we actually have a special guest again today, and I'm going to invite them to introduce themselves. So if you just want to do your name, pronouns, where you're from, uh, your relationship with kids, and your relationship uh, with uh, the topic of Islam. Hi, Seth and Rebecca. Thanks for having me here today. My name is Sadaf Siddiqui. Um, the pronoun, pronouns I use are she and her. Uh, I actually am... Um, uh, my relationship with kids is more that I ran an online bookstore called Kitab World for the last three years, where we focused on South Asian uh, children's books, sort of like trying to bring out the diversity and representation within that group. Um, I am also the co-author of a book called Muslims in Story, Expanding Multicultural Understanding Through Children and Adults, Young Adult Literature. Quite a mouthful, but basically it's <laughs> an overview of Muslim children's literature in the U.S. Um, and so I guess uh, I'm kind of the perfect guest for you for this episode. <laughs> I know. I was so excited when I saw your book. I was like, ooh. You uh, really are. You really, really are. It's such, a, such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Um, all right. So I guess we'll jump right in and I'll start with my my picks. Um, so I have three books today and then a couple of honorable mentions because I don't know how to make decisions. Um, so my first book um, that I want to talk about is uh, Golden Domes and Silver, Silver Lanterns uh, by Hannah Khan and uh, illustrated by uh, Merdok Amini. And that was published by Chronicle Books. And basically, it's a pretty simple, simple book for younger children. It's uh, a, at its base level, it's a rhyming book about color. So, for example, the it starts, you know, red is the rug, dad kneels on to pray, facing towards Mecca five times a day. Um, blue is a hijab mom likes to wear. It's a scarf she uses to cover her hair. So it's very sort of simple rhyming. Um, I think the rhyming is actually very well done, uh, as opposed to we talk about our feelings about rhyming books a lot. <laughs> Um, and I think when they're, they're great, when they're well done, and this one is, uh, one that is done well. Um, so it just sort of goes in very simplistic, uh, talking about very simple things. Um, you know, they, and all of the sort of words that, uh, somebody might not know who doesn't practice, uh, Islam are sort of big. So like there's mosques, there's minarets, um, there's a kufi, which is a hat, type of hat. And then in the back, there is back matter that explains what all those things are, uh, if you need need that, if you're someone who doesn't know those, what those things are. So it's nice because one of my um, my sort of way to goes are, um, I the we always love back matter. So I love that there's a glossary in the back. Um, I like that it's both, I feel like it could work both for, um, you know, a Muslim kid who, you know, in feeling represented and, you know, talking about those things and just, you know, it could be a cute kids, you know, like way to learn colors for a young Muslim kid. But also I feel like it's accessible to folks who um, don't practice Islam, uh, which I think is is nice. It's a good sort of entry book to talk about those things. And then you can, if you don't know a word, that there's a nice glossary and you can just look them right up. Um, and I think that the illustration style um, is really lovely. It's just like very unique. 
Um, and I think it's really beautiful. It goes well with sort of the theme of the book. Um, my really only room to grow, if I, like, I don't know if I had to pick a room to grow, is um, the characters aren't particularly diverse, uh, sort of across the board. Um, there's not much like body diversity. There's not much. Um, well, it's sort of talking about one specific. It's talk sort of talking about one specific family, so it doesn't as much bother me um, that the characters aren't super. You know, the family sort of uh, looks a bit homogenous. I'm seeing. I'm looking in the background now. I see there's like a couple of people of various. There's at least one. Looks like one person who has a different skin tone than the main characters. Um, but in general, like, you know, that's something I'm always pushing for in basically every book. It's like my, it's my room to grow more often than not for like any book I read. Um, so I just always think there could be more diversity. But overall, I really like it. I think it's a cute, um, you know, just like a way to talk about colors. I realized that now that I picked two books about colors, um, can you tell that I'm an early childhood educator? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for my my second pick, moving on to my second pick, um, I chose Ramadan Around the World, and that's by Nida Hassan, and illustrated by Azra Momin. Um, and I actually could not believe that this book was self-published. Not to say that self-published books um, are not always of a nice quality, but this book was like of such high quality and just so well done that I was kind of really surprised uh, that it was self-published. Um, and uh, so basically this book is, as you can imagine, about Ramadan around the world. Um, so basically the Ramadan moon guides the reader. It's sort of this moon with a cute little face and they guide the reader um, through different, uh, different places around the world to see how different uh, people and cultures celebrate Ramadan. Um, and so I, I love this book for a lot of reasons. I actually stumbled upon this book because the author Nida Hassan did who I guess I maybe followed someone on Instagram who regrammed it or like I followed I followed her maybe I don't I don't know how I came to actually stumble upon this but basically she did a reading of it um but okay good I just oh, wanted Seth, to sorry can I just in, uh, interrupt just to ask a question yes please you, um um should I wait till you're done to say something about the other two books if you want or should I just wait for my turn no, you can, yeah, if you had something to say about one of the, the books that I just talked about, you can totally go ahead. So, I mean, why don't you finish this one as well, and then I can jump in, because... Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I actually uh, I actually stumbled upon this, because the author, Nida Hassan, did a, um, a read-aloud on Instagram, and I just remember it was one of those, like, total, like, chance encounters. I, like, didn't want to get out of bed, and I was just, like, on, you know, on Instagram surfing, uh, and I stumbled upon a read aloud that she did and I was so impressed with this book because it was the the primary reason I mean aside from it just being a you know a good book um one of the things that most impressed me about it is that there's uh inclusion of invisible disabilities in this book um and so there are uh there's a kid with autism there's well a wheelchair user which is not an invisible disability but a visible disability there's a kid with diabetes and there's a kid who's hearing impaired um, and they do it in like such a seamless way uh, that I, I just was really impressed with that because that's something we talked about in our episode that we did about invisible disabilities was like, well, how do you incorporate them when they're invisible, right? Um, but so I think that they, they managed to do it in a way that, uh, that felt, you know, not too clunky. Um, I think, again, it's really accessible to folks 
um, who aren't Muslim. Um, they again, they have sort of like the bolded words and then the glossary, so you can go and look look up uh, words that you might not know. But overall, I think it's pretty. Um, it sort of explains you know a little bit about Ramadan, uh, so I think it's pretty accessible um, to folks who may not practice. Um, again, the illustrations are really beautiful. They're really diverse because you know by nature of going all around the world, we're seeing all different kinds of people. Um, so I appreciate appreciated that. There's even you know diversity in the sense that like some uh, some women are wearing hijab, some women aren't wearing hijab, which you know reflects the Muslim community. Um, and then I talked about you know the the uh, ability diversity. Um, personally, <laughs> when I read this book, we we did a little bit. Uh, during Ramadan, I taught the, the two-year-olds that I nanny, taught them a little bit about it, and we read this book, and they loved spotting the moon on every page. That was their favorite part of this book. They were like, moon! Um, so that was just like a cute Aww. little, you know, there's like a lot of things that you can do with this book at any age, and I, they loved that the moon, uh, trying to find the moon on every page. So so yeah, so I really, I really like that one. Um, did you have uh, something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, just to jump in. Um, so in terms of these two picks that you had, uh, it's interesting because um, there is sort of, and, and this is how we talk about it in our book, Muslims and Story as well, is there's this move towards more ca the idea of casual diversity where, you know, diverse books aren't just meant for diverse kids. Diverse books mm -hmm. are meant for all kids. Absolutely. So, the, the the one that you mentioned, which was Golden Durums and Silver Lanterns, is actually like a two-part book that she had done. She'd done mm -hmm. um, Crescent Moons and Pointed Mirrors yes. as well. And the same way that your pick, uh, Golden Domes and Silver Lanterns, could be used in the classroom to discuss ideas of color, uh, Crescent Moons and Pointed Minarets uh, looks at shapes. Mm -hmm. So there's just a great way to um, introduce these concepts to younger children but through a diverse book and like you said the illustrations are so luminous that you know it's yeah. just a very very beautiful uh book and also there's this idea of introducing visual diversity not just you know um uh visual diversity as you've been talking about through you know visible and invisible disabilities that can be represented or people wearing different kinds of clothes or you know, those kinds, or, or, you know, even the artifacts that they use in their homes or mm -hmm. uh, around them. So I think the, the, these two books really bring out that idea about that concept of uh, casual diversity and visual diversity and showing, um, you know, concepts like shapes and colors just in, mm -hmm. but using Muslim kids as a backdrop. So it's not a religious book. It's just a regular diverse book about colors and yeah. shapes you know so yeah, i think that's absolutely. that's an important um thing to consider when you when you look at diverse books whether they be muslim or diverse in other ways um the other book that you mentioned ramadan was it called sorry ramadan around the world around the world yeah that's really interesting because there's there's another book just um i think it's just called ramadan it's just celebrate the world which is mm. also a really nice book and could be paired well with the one that you recommended because um I haven't read that one, but this one at, at least talks about what's happening in Ramadan throughout the world in different families mm. and, again, has great visual diversity. Also, it, it, it focuses on sort of like what are the, the um, ideas that are important in Ramadan, like helping mm -hmm. the needy or, you know, just, you know, helping someone cross the road, like simple things that you can do, that children can do as well to, to oh, I love that. you know, uh, to show the spirit of the idea of the holiday as well as 
you know, traditional things that they do about praying in the mosque or getting up early to eat a pre-dawn meal. So it's, uh, and again, like simple illustrations, but really well done. I think it would pair very nicely with the book that you mentioned as well, Ramadan Around the World. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that one. I love, I personally, like I was talking about this on the other episode, but I, I really love teaching kids about different, you know, different kinds of holidays around the world and from different cultures and religions. And um, I think it's really uh, simple and easy, right? Like you were saying, you could just, you know, if, if we're saying, hey, some of the themes are giving to the needy, right? Or like giving to other people, why don't we make something and give it to our neighbor? Or like, you know what I mean? Like you can talk about the themes without it being like a religious lesson. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. I do the, I do the same thing with Christmas, right? I I you know I I do when I do Christmas with kids, it's not about you know Jesus, it's about you know right. giving giving to other people, right? So I did when I had older kids, we all made something every day of the week. We made something and we gave it to someone else. We wrapped them up, <laughs> and at the end of the week, you know, but it was about the the spirit of it rather than like we're going to talk about the religious background, right? That's really great, and I think this publisher. Um... The one we did Ramadan, it's actually a series like celebrate around the world, celebrate oh, the cool. world. So it has Ramadan, it has Diwali, it has Day of the Dead, it has a lunar New Year, I think, as well. So it's very uh, diverse in that, like you said, you like to do that with other cultures. So that's an easy way to uh, to do it with other cultures as well. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. Mm. Um, it's so funny they uh, they used to just know me at the library because I would always be getting that section of that was my favorite section. I would always be getting the books about different because like it's also an excuse for me to learn, which I love doing. Um, but I I'm learned like, oh, the oh that's so much. Yeah. Fun. Well, because it's just the basics. You don't have to read someone's dissertation on, you know, Correct. Islam, right? <laughs> Someone wants to do that, but it's not me. I want just, I want to know all the basics, what's important, you know? And I want to look at something pretty while I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, speaking of, of pretty things, um, I'm going to move into my last book, which is also about colors. Um <laughs> Uh, and it is called What Color Is My Hijab? It is fairly new. Um, it is by Huda Ibrahim and uh, illustrated by Minal Patel. And it is uh, published by Beaver's, Beaver's Pond Press, uh, which is a hybrid publisher. So it's sort of a combination of traditional and self-publishing. Um, and it basically follows a little girl and different people she knows who wear a hijab. Uh, and each hijab is a different color. So for example, um, you know, the, the fir first of all, I'm just going to read the first page because I think it's cute. Hijab is the crown I wear every day. It's worn, it, it is worn many ways and comes in every color. So then it, you know, it shows, um, someone that she knows who is a con working construction and says, I know someone in a white hijab. She's an engineer and she is very smart. When I want to solve problems, I'll wear a white hijab. And it shows her like playing with her blocks, right? So it sort of follows this pattern of showing, you know, the next one is someone running. And it says, you know, I know someone in a black hijab. She's an athlete and she's healthy and fast. When I want to have strength, I'll wear a black hijab. And it shows her running. So it sort of follows this kind of pattern um, of different uh, different people in her life and how they wear hijab and uh, just the different colors and styles um, and the different things that they do. One of the things I really liked my sort of... Um, uh way it goes are i i really like that it features women i mean women period but especially when wearing hijab like doing all sorts of different things right there's someone who's an engineer there's someone who's an athlete a model a pilot a politician a doctor there's an artist a teacher and a business owner right so they're like doing all a variety of different things um which i think is awesome and empowering for kids to see um 
and there's the also a lot of diversity in the characters right one of them uh is a is a wheelchair user um there's lots of differences in skin tone and things like that um and they and it also has some really great um back matter uh just in general about like what, you know about hijabs what is a hijab who's a muslim are there different why are the different styles of hijab do all muslim girls and women wear hijabs right um so there's some good information in there and it's like very it's again it's not a dissertation it's just like a couple sentences sentence answers um but i think it does it does the job of answering those questions um and yeah i just it was actually it's funny there there now are a lot of um great books um specifically talking about um, jobs and uh, I it was hard for me to pick one <laughs> so I just want to shout out a couple of other other great ones to check out um, the proudest blue is a really good one um, oh excuse me I'm knocking around things on my desk uh, under my hijab also by Hannah Han is a is a good one as well she has a lot of really great books um, and then the other one I want to mention was mommy's Kimar by Jamila Tompkins Bigelow um, those are another are other three good ones for sort of talking about what what is hijab um they're sort of like entry you know to um, they're more meant i think for um for kids who don't practice uh islam uh who are might be curious about what hijab is as opposed to this book though i think could be what colors my hijab i think could be um used with you know any kid whether they uh, practice islam or not um i think it's just really cute and has a lot of good representation so um, and it also the main character, in fact, um, is a is a black Muslim child. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's, yeah, that's sure. a really important aspect yeah. of it, both in what the one that you talk about, the, what color is my hijab, the proudest blue, which is actually written, co-written with um, Ittihaj Muhammad, who's the mm-hmm. Olympian fencer, and she wears a hijab. And um, mm-hmm. even my mommy's himar is by a black Muslim. Uh, American. So I think it's really important to s- sort of uh, sh- showcase that in a way, because that is a community that most people don't know that yeah. there are many African American um, Muslims in, you know, in, in the community. And it's always seen as Muslims, as foreigners and Islam as a foreign religion, but it's not true. Uh, they've been in, you know, it, even before the formation of the United States, Muslims have been here. So I think it's very important to sort of have those kinds of books which have that representation and 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 allow for that conversation to to happen. Of course, we're talking about much younger children right now, but you know, yeah, uh, the earlier you expose children to, again, what we're talking about, ideas of both visual and uh, just repre- you know, diversity and representation, then you can take that, you know, lay the foundations to build on to have those other conversations as well. Yeah, I think it's so important. I still remember there's there's these two um, girls that I babysit sometimes who are like eight and 12, I think. And the eight-year-old still likes bedtime stories. So I bring picture books and I read bedtime stories and they happen to have two moms. Um, and I read a book and the, the point of the book really was about a little uh, transgender girl who was... Um, uh, sort of exploring her gender through play with her friends and coming out to her friends through pretend play. But in the very beginning of the book, this little trans girl is sitting in the car and it happens that she has two moms. And this girl who I was reading the story to was like, wait, she has two moms like me? And was so blown away that like she was represented in a book. 
mm-hmm. in some way, even though that like wasn't even the point of the book, you know, but she, she noticed. And, um, and I think it's so important, right? Like, like for some, I mean, she has two moms and it was still shocking to her that there was a book with two moms. You know what I mean? Like if we're showing kids these, these kinds of things from the get go, right. Then it's not going to, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be like, whoa, you can have two moms. It's going to be like, oh, Hey, she has two moms like Jamie in that book we read. You know, yeah, and, and uh, at that age, maybe that's all you need, right? So mm-hmm. that you know, so that that grounds it in a, in a in an age appropriate way, right? Right, yeah, incidental representation to help us like normalize is such a lousy word, but to help to help us under to help every child see themselves, um, not only themselves represented, but the experiences of those around them represented, just helps them to understand that there are multiple, there are infinite variations of experiences. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that all of them are equally valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that being said, I'm I'm all done for my books. Rebecca, did you want to tell us about yours? Sure. Um, so I have two books that I would like to share today. Um, and one of them is written by an author that you have already mentioned. Um, and that is um, author Hannah Khan. And the book I want to talk about is Night of the Moon, a Muslim Holiday Story. And so this was written by Hannah Khan. It was illustrated by Julie Pashkis, and it was published by Chronicle Books in 2008. Um, And this is just a really beautiful book. Um, Julie Pashkis was um, inspired by... Uh, the rich, like the geometric patterns that she found when she was studying Islamic ceramic tile. And that was kind of the foundation of the kind of the aesthetic of the book and the color scheme of the book. It's all of these gorgeous jewel tones. Um, And it's just this lovely story of a a child um, whose family is celebrating uh, the month of Ramadan. And so it does a really beautiful job of being a narrative story about this child and her family and um, the parties and getting um, cr- making food to bring to the mosque and jumping on trampolines with cousins. So it's, a, it's this great narrative story um, of that month, but it also does a beautiful job of weaving in information about Ramadan um, and about Islam. So it talks about... Um, uh, the first night, um, Yasmin waits for her mom to read her a story, but instead mom comes in and pulls the curtain back and kind of gives a little, a little debrief, a little bit of a, um, a description about the moon, um, and explains that it's the moon's first crescent, which means that a new month is beginning. Um, and Yasmin says a new month, but it's only the 17th. And mom says, it's a new month in the Islamic calendar, which is based on the moon. And just, she gives a little background and um, talks about the month of Ramadan. And, uh, and then Yasmin and her classmates learn a little bit more in school. Um, so it's a really, it does a really accessible way of presenting information in an age appropriate way to the narrator of the story while also giving it to the reader. Um, mm. And so the... Um, as I said, the, the, the illustrations are lovely. Um, the text is just, like I said, very accessible. We do see a lot of diversity. I don't see a lot of, I don't see any um, visible disabilities represented in the pictures, but in the group gatherings and, and also within their family gatherings, 
you see a lot of um, a variation in skin tone and age and body type. So um, there is a lot of quite a bit of incidental representation woven in as well. Um, and yeah, it, it just uh, it begins on the first the the new moon and it ends with the celebration of Eid and um, and waking up to a, a gift that kind of brings everything full circle because it is, well, I don't want to do a spoiler, but the gift um, circles back to the role of the moon um, mm. in, in the story and in Islamic culture. Um, so yeah. Yeah, now, if, if I could add, like this is a really, um, this was one of the earlier books about Ramadan that, that, that appeared you know, in, in a sort of more mainstream setting, and it was really wonderful to see. And also, um, I think it's a great book that you could use to talk about in a classroom, just like you mentioned about, you know, the crescent moon, etc. You could talk about the phases of the moon just using this book as an educational, you know, uh, um, add-on to the story, as well as... Um, uh, Oh, no, no, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say uh, we use this book. So this book is one of the titles in our shift book box on um, on uh, honoring Muslim families and traditions. And our first kind of conversation prompt about the story is encouraging families to go out and look at the moon, find the moon. Is it waxing? Is it getting fuller? Is it waning, getting slimmer? And kind of, right, so incorporating that um that science and that STEM exploration mm -hmm. into, into appreciating this book. Oh, I now remember. Sorry. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for reminding me. Uh, I was just going to say that this is a great opportunity to also talk about how, uh, because you, you, you read that bit about the Islamic calendar, which follows a more lunar cycle. It's a great way to talk about how other traditions and religions, I believe Jewish mm -hmm. tradition, even yeah. the Hindu tradition, that follows even maybe Buddhism, if I'm not mistaken, follows a more lunar cycle. So it's a great opportunity to show um, to show that connection, uh, and also to to show sort of like you know, um, I guess the the I don't want to say this, but the dominant uh, culture is you know to use a Gregorian calendar, etc. Right, but in certain other cultures, people still do use. Uh, lunar calendars and other ways mm -hmm. of measurement so it's right. just a it's a good way to just maybe introduce that concept depending on the children you're talking to but um, it's a good way to it, find connections with other cultures and other religions as yeah well. absolutely right. and what a nice what a what a rich way to um i mean you know something that children are taught from such a young a young age in our kind of traditional education system in this country is the calendar, right? Like mm -hmm. calendar is such a huge okay. part of sitting down at circle, like beginning in preschool. Yeah. So what a, what a neat, um, really kind of concrete way to offer up that there are multiple different experiences of this world, that there are other calendars, right? Mm -hmm. And that, um, I think that, I, I love that. I love that idea. Have, mm -hmm. have you seen that book? Um, now I'm going to forget what it is, but it was sort of like every, every day is New Year's or New Year's around the world or mm -hmm. something, like different Oh my gosh, what is the name of this book? I'm forgetting. Uh, but it's sort of like how different cultures celebrate the new year and not every, I think it's called Every Day is a New Year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 
so it's about different cultures and when they celebrate New Year. So it's it's really it's a great way to show like global diversity in terms of celebrations, right? So. Right. Is it every day is New Year's Day? I by think Mike. so. I can't. Uh, by Mike Receiver. I might be looking at something different. This might be some guy's. No, website. no. I think I Cut think. <laughs> I think it's uh, Lee and Lo book, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Lee and Lo so, does a really nice job with. Oh gosh. With okay, I can't find it now, but um. Yeah. If you if you find it at some point, definitely send it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can add it in the show notes, but um, but yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, well, it's in oh, go ahead. Yes, every month, every month is yes. Every month every is a new year. Singer and Susan L. Ross. Yes. What is? Can you say that again? Every month is a new year. It is yeah. Lilo. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, awesome! I gotta get this one. This one looks mm-hmm. good. And um, I, I will go full circle to say that um, I, when I was researching for our inclusion of this book in one of our shipped book boxes, I found an interview that Hannah Khan did with Kitab World. Oh, um, so, uh, and that, that actually opens our discussion guide. So I want to read it because I think it, um, it really captures what we've been saying so far. Stories are powerful tools for fostering acceptance and understanding and highlighting diverse stories can expose children early on to people who are different from them. Inviting children into the lives of Muslim characters helps to demystify a community that is often misunderstood and misrepresented. Um, And this does a beautiful job of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think sort of going back to what you're saying about um, the calendars in in the same way, uh, you know, I I sort of had a, a humbling experience when I was coordinating with uh, I learned my lesson at least for the Islam episode. Um, but when I was coordinating the Judaism episode, I, you know, we were trying to coordinate dates and, um, and folks were like, you know, Seth, like, those are like high holy days. We can't meet on those days. And I was like, what, you know what I mean? And like, we don't, as, as people who, um, you know, if you're someone who doesn't celebrate, you know, a holiday, that's not you know, a Christian holiday that's on the calendar. A lot of times you have no idea it's happening. And I think it's also important to, uh, you know, talk you know talk about that and you know say uh you know even even if you're if you are doing circle time you know what i mean you could just mention that that holiday is happening today or that holiday is coming you know what i mean in the same ways that we talk about right other you know other holidays i think that you know talking about those those things is is important absolutely yeah and also to give language to the kids because i know it's hard for you know children uh you know muslim kids especially but also lunar holidays shift every year by 10 days you know what i mean and it's really hard for children to so you know if someone says why isn't your holiday like christmas is always on the 25th of december right so it's not like our holidays are on one particular day it's like you know this question that kids uh, are asked when is eid so it's like either the 23rd or the 24th, basically, because it depends on the moon for some for some people. And some people just go with one particular day. But, you know, like if you start having these conversations in class and the kids start talking about it, there's so much complexity that can come out in a conversation or just, you know, like you're also providing as an educator, 
you're providing sort of the language that kids can use or, you know, the tools that you can learn from them and they can learn from you how to talk mm. about this. You know, I think that's also sort of important because uh, otherwise young children who belong to different cultures and different religions all often feel like, how do I explain this? You know, it's, it's just so exasperating. Like, I have to tell them that we're it keeps changing all the time. We're never fixed. How will anybody know? As a child, that can feel very overwhelming. But if you know that people are sort of having this conversation in your classroom, you you can you can at least voice how you feel about it. And I yeah. would say that that I know that we like to make things very concrete for children, but I think that children can really have the capacity to to get and roll with nuance and complexity in a way that we don't always give them credit for. I think there might be a push to make things concrete in a way that doesn't actually match what children have the capacity to understand, right? Like we're learning that about gender, where people talk, are fearful that it's too confusing to talk about gender with kids and kids, they get it. They, <laughs> like they, they don't have an issue with pronouns, you know, like they are, they, they just go with it. Um, and I think that the same probably would be true. I mean, and also I think it's really valuable to introduce young children to the fact that the world is complicated and things are complex and both yeah. and, right? So saying, well, this holiday, it may be on this day or it may be on that day. And here's why. Um, I think that kids have the capacity to, to, to be okay with that. Um, and it can help them to kind of bend their little brains a little bit, right? Like let's create um, growth mindset and flexible, flexible. Yeah, totally. Transmitters. Yeah, I and think most what... educators do a good job of making things most age appropriate, right? So you're not mm -hmm. like shoving a whole bunch of like, <laughs> you know acronyms and things down their throat you're just telling them that this is how it is and then as you said Rebecca kids are more accepting when they're younger and they are more open-minded and I think that's exactly what educators and teachers and parents and everyone tries to cultivate that learn to be flexible like you said learn to grow and these are ways in which you can do it because sometimes I guess more earlier on when you have more authoritarian sort of um it's either this or that that doesn't allow room for for growth right right yeah absolutely mm -hmm. oh should i introduce my second book oh yes i'd love yes. to hear about it okay um this is uh, a book called it's a story called big red lollipop and it's written by roxana khan and illustrated by sophie blackall um, and it was published by Viking, which is an imprint of the Penguin Group in 2010. Um, and I, I love this story. I did so much, so much research on, on this book and on Roxana Khan that I feel like I, I've had these interactions with this person that I obviously only know through YouTube stalking. She was actually on, she was actually on our last episode. And no. It is a, a lovely, lovely now, human. Seth, 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 you're going to hear from Rebecca about this now. <laughs> go, Rebecca, yeah. go. I am so jealous that I was not on that episode. <laughs> oh, should have known you would find the Canadian uh, children's software. Oh, my gosh. Well, she's lovely. If you ever just want to chat with her, just email her. I'm sure she'd be happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am, I am seriously green with envy right now. Okay. 
<laughs> well, I was just going to say that this, I mean, what I am sure you know this story now, but I learned in my research for this book is that this, um, that Roxana Khan is a longtime author, and for a long time she would include this anecdote about the lollipop kind of just in her talks with kids, like when mm -hmm. she was doing book talks, she would just um, use it as a kind of a warm up, you know, a little bit of conversation to connect with students. Um, but then, and it also in real life, it's because she's the one, there is a a, a, a mischievous child in the story who sneaks someone else's lollipop and that actually was Roxana Khan who did mm -hmm. that even though she takes a different narrative perspective in this story so um she wrote this story down after a time and it went on to win the 2011 Charlotte Zotolo award and the 2011 Golden Kite award for best picture book text um and so, illustrated so oh, I, I just Oh, oh, I just wanted to, sorry, I just wanted to cut in and say that she, in the episode she was she was saying that she originally um sent it to the publisher uh, or, or whoever with the her character is the main character and they were like, nah, your character's not not sympathetic enough for making it. <laughs> and she was like, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that children's picture books are not ready for an anti hero. <laughs> Although I don't know, that 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 has changed since two thousand two. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, she, I just, I mean, just she, this story makes me smile, but also I'm, I honestly, I'm so jealous right now because just reading about, like, just sharing this with you, uh, which obviously it sounds like you already know, but maybe some of our, our listeners didn't listen to your interview yet. I hope <laughs> I'm not completely beating a dead horse with this, but no. um, she, it's it just, I, I just her warmth like and her her spirit comes through in all of her writing and all of the interviews that I read with her and she just seems like she has a big it's a big a big personality um and I love she says about of, of her stories um she says many times you pick up a picture book and it's either poignant or funny why not have both right <laughs> so this book kind of um, walks that line um what I was going to say uh, that that Sophie Blackall is the illustrator of this book is just icing on the cake or on the lollipop because um, Sophie Blackall <laughs> is, you know, now a two-time Caldecott medal winner, even right. though I do have some issue with her most recent, but that's for a different episode. Oh, ha uh, have you read her most recent one? The, the Lighthouse? The, no, oh, yeah. The Lighthouse had a lot of people up in arms maybe we should have a conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I we i've gone off about the lighthouse in the um, on one of our previous episodes um, okay. Okay. yeah uh, yeah i would love to love to chat about that but yes but he is so, a beautiful illustrator so i love that you mentioned Roxana khan because um again we had contacted her for um and the book that I mentioned, Muslims in Story, came out of a campaign called Counter-Islamophobia Through Stories, where we listed a whole bunch of uh, books and resources around, you know, um, when President Trump was elected. <laughs> and we had a whole bunch of um, uh, anti-Muslim bias incidents happen. Uh, we decided to sort of uh, try and show positive stories about Muslims, especially through through books. So we uh, we launched this counter-Islamophobia through stories campaign and we featured Roxana Khan's books and, and one of them. And she's actually a veteran of um, what I mentioned earlier, talking about issues of casual diversity, because she just puts uh, a Muslim child 
at the center of a more universal story. Yes. And she's done that with, um, you know, Big Red Lollipop. She's done that with uh, King for a Day. And, and her whole body of work is really very accessible, very universal. And like you said, Rebecca, like her work is poignant and funny and relatable. Like it's great. So I think, Rebecca, you and I should like <laughs> get off this, <laughs> connect yeah. offline. And, um, you know, if you're up for it, I could share it with you once it's, uh, once it's, it's uh, you know done and dusted absolutely and i i would i mean making uh, connections yeah, <laughs> <sense>. <laughs> um yes and so i i i think that this so this is the story um uh how do i say this i said oh also i wanted to mention um you are gently correcting my pronunciation of um the last name that is spelled K-H-A-N. Can, can you can you pronounce that for us clearly so we can make that correction moving forward? So it's mostly pronounced Khan, mm-hmm. but um, I know that there are some, aren't there some Jewish names which are spelled K-A-H-N, right? Or am I making that up in my head? I don't know. That have a, no? Seth, would I, don't, you... I, don't, I don't know about that. Okay. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it with the. But you are... it's usually Han. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. So there's Hena Khan, and then there's Uxana Khan, and then there's lots of Khans <laughs> in this, <laughs> this universe. So we can call it the Khan episode if you like. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I will. I will do my best to accurately. Um, represent that that pronunciation moving forward um all right and so i wanted to talk just a little bit about the story and it is what i love about this story is that it is a sibling story it is a school story and it's also the story of um of a culture clash um which can happen you know um because of religious background, but can also just happen because of any sort of kind of familial culture, um, cultural differences. And so in this case, um, our protagonist is running home and is super excited because she has um, been invited to a birthday party. And she runs in the house and Ami's sitting there in hijab and there she's feeding a, a little teeny tiny baby or kind of toddler baby. And there's an older child kind of draped on her and um, and our protagonist runs into the house and says, Ami, I've been invited to a birthday party. There's going to be games and toys, cake and ice cream. Can I go? And um, middle sister Sana screams, I want to go too. And Ami says, what's a birthday party? And um, our protagonist says, it's when they celebrate the day they were born. And Ami's response is, why do we do that? They just do. Can I go? So you're getting all of these like family dynamics, but also this, um, I think just that question, what's a birthday party um, is such a, like, like we were, like we're talking about kind of this idea of introducing a different calendar. It's like, oh, wow, this is a family for readers who are, who kind of from a more Western culture who are very familiar with birthday parties. That is a question that will seem kind of eye-opening I think mm-hmm. um, can I just uh, yeah. interrupt sorry for one second so um, you mentioned that the mother is wearing the hijab she's not really wearing a hijab that's just um, 
a dupatta, which is sort of a long scarf. And in most South Asian, that is sort of India, Pakistan, Bangladesh cultures, it's sort of like, um, and probably even Iran, because they have something like a chadar, which is just loosely draped over your head. A hijab is more when you're actually covering your whole hair and your face and your shoulders, which if you look at the back of the book, there, there's a picture of Rukhana Han where she actually wears the scarf as a hijab. So um, I know it looks like that, but it's not really a hijab. Um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind. And also, um, I know what you said about birthday parties, and that's really the, the, the point of cultural difference here in a way. But uh, I just wanted to point this out just so that it's clear that this is a story about one Pakistan, one immigrant Muslim family from Pakistan, um, as opposed to, you know, to extrapolate to all Muslims or all Pakistanis. And in a way, uh, it's this family uh, who thinks this way, mainly because in most immigrant or communities, it's celebrations are like community events. But I would mm. say that most you know, South Asians or Muslims are familiar with the idea of birthday parties. So just to be cautious, to not extrapolate that too much to all, uh, you know, religions and all backgrounds in that sense. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be so like... No, 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 no thank you. This is exactly but... why you are here and why we need <laughs> you here. And I appreciate all of this education. Um, 100 percent so thank you so much uh that is all really really valuable um, yeah i just feel like there should be the, the the rainbow going over my head going the more you know <laughs> <laughs> no, but but that's that's exactly why as you said this book is so important because look at the kind of conversations you can start having mm-hmm. see like you can actually have these kinds of, not just with children, with adults, you know what I mean? Like, I think picture (laughs) books are great ways for even to get adults on, you know, uh, to understand so many nuances of culture or experience or um, just difference, you know? Right. Uh, So I think, I think what you're bringing up are are exactly the, the, the things about this particular book and, uh, you know, other diverse books which pop, which stay in our heads, and then you can use those to expand on them. And sometimes we live in our little bubbles, but then, hey, this idea kind of pops that bubble, right? So it's Absolutely. so fun to take these ideas and have these discussions. Yeah, and it's so powerful to, you know, have like, like, like I bragged about 10 minutes ago how much research I had done on this book. And yet, <laughs> right, like there are still so many gaps because of my own my own background, kind of the barriers and what I'm able to find online to try to educate myself and how valuable these conversations are. Right. See, like, look at how open you are to doing that, Rebecca. Like, that is one thing I really, really appreciate about so many educators and so many people and especially people in the West who are so open to these kinds of ideas and to learning because, you know, there is this trend, at least in India, where I'm originally from and around the world really where people are just so closed to Mm. hearing the other point of view so I think the fact that you're so open about it and you're willing to just you know discuss and learn is is very um it's very heartwarming for someone like me to see (laughs) that and I think we all should appreciate that 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 openness and that allyship is is very needed and very important so let's not 
that's not you know like I, I really really truly appreciate that because I've seen so much of the closing of people's mm. minds and ideas right. happening right now that that I think I would commend both you and Seth for for being so open-minded about these things and willing to learn we do have just a little bit of this closed-mindedness in, in the United States now too I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> a little I just feel like as I don't know maybe it's just like from an educator's lens like I also I'm like I'm always learning and I'm, you know, I'm a learner student as much as I am a teacher. And I, I think that, you know, I, I never like, you're never going to know everything. Right. And um, I think we, we are only coming from our own experiences and how can we learn about other people's ex- like, I don't know, to me, it's but, just like, but there again, Seth, look at what you've done. <laughs> you've gone ahead and called someone like me. Okay. I mean, not to, push me in the spotlight but it's more like you're talking to someone who's of that culture from that culture who understands that culture do you know what I mean so speaking to people who are of a particular group is very important because that's the only way you can um suss out these things you know what I mean like I mean honestly because I was at Kitabur for so long I can tell you that I have seen just because it's written by a you know a person of that culture also doesn't mean they always get it correct (laughs) I have seen so many South Asian writers get factual stuff wrong cultural Mm. stuff wrong you know like vocabulary stuff wrong it's very (laughs) very frustrating um and then you know if you point it out people are like oh but you're just being sour grapes or you know something like that so yeah. you get backlashes on that as well but you're just like you know you actually want the right information to go out but you know it's it's a digital world where anything goes right now right so right. so it's really important to know your sources and, and that yeah, it also reminds me of um what we talk about how we need it points to the need for more and more stories written right like own voices stories written Mm -hmm. so there isn't just one that's kind of held up as representing right like like there's more room for folks to get details wrong or to to include nuance that is true maybe to their personal experience but can't be extrapolated um if there are so many stories that that one story is not held up as kind of a token um we just need more more of these books yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and Um, if i may our book, oh, yeah. Muslims and Story, actually does that. It has we vetted and authenticated all the books that we we talk about in our book because it's more like an educator resource. It has over 150 mm-hmm. books, most of them own voices, not all of them own voices. But um, that was an important focus for us to keep own voices books so that it's an authentic telling of the story, uh, and it's it's broken down in a way that can help educators introduce these books on a year-round basis in their classrooms that is so valuable um, and can you say one more time what what we call the head covering that Ani's wearing in the story so she's wearing uh what's called a dupatta which is a long scarf and people okay. wear it in many different ways. In fact, in the book itself, you'll see at, at one point she's covering her hair. At one point, she's just covering her shoulders. And at one point, she doesn't have it at all because that's pretty much how we all wear it at home. You know, uh, sometimes you have it on, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you wear it on your head, sometimes you don't. You know, it's just like a, <laughs> uh, 
and and people wear it in many different ways and that's why i mentioned like if you look at um how roxana han wears it who's the author she wears it as a hijab which is covering her whole hair mm. uh, and um shoulders so it's when um so it's when it is covering your whole hairline that the yes. same piece of fabric can be kind of uh take on a different resonance yes so okay i think most people will call it a hijab if you wear it such that it just frames your it, so that you only see the face and no hair and mostly it sometimes it will drape over your shoulders other people choose to wear it like a turban so that it's more you know it's, it's covering your hair uh, mm-hmm. so the idea is to in, in a hijab the idea is to cover your hair gotcha okay so this so this is a an, something that is an accessory that can take on different meanings depending upon how it's how on. it's it's yeah it's so in it's what she's wearing the mother in the in the picture in the picture book uh Ami, is really uh a three-piece set one is like the 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 kameez, which is a long tunic, the the drawing pants, which are the shalwar, and the dupatta. So it's usually a three piece set that people wear. Like that's that's the item of clothing. But you know, some people will just wear it as a two piece and ignore the dupatta, or you know, some people will mm-hmm. make sure that they only wear all three pieces together. You know, or <laughs> and then there there are different ways to drape the dupatta as well. So that's a whole. It's a whole other show, I guess. <laughs> well, it's a show that we will do. And we'll put it on YouTube so we can get some visuals. Um, oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for that education. I, I, it is invaluable. Um, and I will share just a little bit more about the story. And then I want to hear about the book that you were talking about today. Um, so in this story, um, she is she ultimately has to call her friend who's having the birthday party um, and ask her if she can bring her little sister. And she said, it says, um, Sally says, all right, but it doesn't sound all right. I know she thinks I'm weird. And she is the only person to bring her, her little sister to the party. And um, Sana kind of makes a scene. And, um, <laughs> but on the other hand, Sana is very uh, satisfied with herself and enjoys the, the treats that she gets in the take-home bag. Um, and then... Um, Ravina is dreaming, our narrator, of how good it's going to taste to have the lollipop when she wakes up in the morning, this thing she has savored from her first birthday party, and wakes up in the morning and finds that her sister has eaten it. And then we move into the drama of the sibling story, this amazing double page spread that shows um, her chasing her sister all around the house. Um, just absolutely livid um, and then her mother she turns her mother actually um uh ends up kind of standing up for for sana she says that um for shame it's just a lollipop can't you share with your little sister and so rubina is just getting it from all sides <laughs> and then of course the the added layer that you know that our author is actually this little sister peeking out from behind mama <laughs> just adds another layer of, of, of pleasure to this story. Um, so uh, ultimately, um, she eats, she ends up eating the rest of the lollipop as well. Um, Sana eats, you know, finishes the lollipop. And um, then we go back to the school setting and Rubina's feeling kind of left out um, and 
isolated because she feels like she's not being invited to these birthday parties now because um, because she's the person who has to bring the little sis her little sister along. Um, and she says, it's, she says, I don't get any invitations for a really long time. Um, and then one day, Sana comes running in, and it actually looks like you know several years have passed, right? Like these these girls have grown. And Sana comes running in and she says, I've been invited to a birthday party. And there's this, there's this um, echoing of the language from the start of the story. And then now you have um, the littlest sister, Mariam. Now she's screaming, I want to go. <laughs> I can't take her. She's not invited. Um, and then Ami is reminding her, you know, that now it's only fair. It's only fair. You need to bring your little sister, just like Ravina brought you. Um, and actually, Rubina ends up standing up and saying, um, "Don't, don't make, don't make Sana take Miriam to the party." Um, mm. And so she ends up kind of taking on this big sister role and um, helping her sister um, avoid. I mean, it's avoid the frustrating, you know, sense of exclusion that, of course, we don't want Rubina to have to have felt. But we know that. that this kind of represents what can happen in, in real life and in schools. And so you see Rubina standing up for her sister and, and helping her kind of navigate that um, in a way that might have been easier for her in the long run. And so then Sana brings um, brings Rubina a lollipop at the end. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so this is just a lovely story. Um, yeah. That is Big Red Lollipop. Love it. And then those were those were your two, right? You already yes. Okay, yes. great. I was like in my head. I was like, can I count to two? I don't know. I'm an early childhood educator. Can I? Who knows? Um, well, thank you for sharing those. I'm actually. It's so funny. I heard. I've heard and seen. Uh, I've heard about and seen Big Red Big Red Lollipop, but never actually knew the plot of it. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that with me. It's really. Um, it's, it's just. It is such a. It has so many layers and so much richness to it, and but it's also just such a simple story. Like it's just yeah. lovely. Yeah, it, it's quite a deceptively simple story. The minute you start prodding it, you really see those layers. It's really, as you said, a very very wonderful book. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I guess I guess that just leaves you, Sadaf. I'd love to hear about your books. Yes. So um, I chose three. The first one I'd like to talk about is called My Grandma and Me. It's written by Mina Java Herbin and illustrated by Lindsay Yankee. I believe it's a Candlewick Press book. Um, and I think it's published, yeah, tw uh, 2000, uh, 2019. Yeah, so it's, it's fairly recent. And it's a really, really wonderful book about this young author uh, and she says it's an autobiographical story so mm. it always I feel like that always gives you a little bit more resonance and it's about about her growing up in Iran with her grandmother whom she adored and whom she followed around the whole day um, waking up <laughs> with her for their pre-dawn prayer and then while she was praying she'd climb up all over her grandmother and just a wonderful <laughs> playful relationship with them and it's also sort of like how they go about their whole day there's um there's this really nice picture where they have um and i i know they do this in iran a lot but they also do this in india where you live in apartment blocks so if you have to go down you're not always doing the up and down you, you put like um a little basket <laughs> tied on a rope 
and you can send it down and you know like there is a bread boy who comes and he delivers the bread in there and it you know you just pull the basket up and it goes all the way to your floor so it's it's got little cultural uh sort of elements like that which are really very very well done um, and how they, they get their bread in the morning and then they go to visit their neighbors who happen to be Christian and they're, she and um, uh, her friend Annette are their, are best friends and their grandmas are best friends. So they this is sort of like a morning ritual for them where they go and spend time with each other and these two young girls spend time with each other and the grandmas spend time with each other and um, she talks about just because we were talking about dupattas and hijab in 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 Iran, the the loose cloth that they use to cover themselves is called a chador or a chadar in Urdu. If you say that, and it, she talks about using her mother, her grandma's chador as a cape, and you see beautiful illustrations about you know like she lets her imagination fly, like she's in the sky and flying to space and building rocket ships and coming back to base camp to eat grandma's cookies, of course. Um, and then there's also mention of uh, during the month of Ramadan, how they go to the mosque and pray and, and, uh, and how the community gets together. And also how, um, and so there's one very sweet part of the book where the little girls are whispering to each other that my grandma wished for your grandma to go to heaven. And, they, and the other one says, my grandma did the same thing at the mosque and my grandma did the same thing at the church. So it really takes on this idea mm-hmm. of, connection between people and the love and the kindness and um you know just just a wonderfully warm story about a little bit of nostalgia a little bit of magic and a little bit of um you know just just developing kind and loving relationships with with each other so i think and the illustrations are so beautiful in this one if you guys liked um hina khan's uh crescent moon and Mm. uh, uh you know, you really like what Lindsay Yankee has done here because she uses a lot of those um, intricate geometrical patterns and richness of colors and things like that as well. So this one, I really would say that you should look it up. It's really wonderful. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah it looks lovely. Yeah, it's, it's very, very beautiful. Uh, so that's one that I think, and it goes well with sort of like talking about many things that we've already discussed. Like it's not, originally on Ramadan but it part of it is and then it's a way to talk about you know grandparents in general as well as a way to talk about interfaith books and building connections mm. as well which is sort of things that we've been talking about um, all of that today um, should I move on to the next one because I have to yes. like, I want to get all my please do all right so this one is um, again a henna Khan book like the moon loves the sky I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's pretty recent. It's a chronicle book. Um, yeah, 2020. And the illustrations are by Safa Khan. And this is a really very uh, vibrant and uh, bright. The illustrations are really very beautiful and very fluid. And I think it adds uh, to the story, which is about um, a parent's dreams and wishes for their child. Mm. So it's their like, hopes and aspirations. And what uh, Henahan has done really, really nicely in this, almost lyrically, is that she has merged aspects of, um, like, uh, how do I say this? Like, Islamic uh, ideas and, like, morals, in a way, that we hope to teach our children to into this sort of lyrical verse. But, I mean, I guess it is verse. 
inverse. So for instance, I'll just read like maybe the first page. It says, Inshallah, you are all that is gentle and good. Inshallah, you feel safe like all children should. Inshallah, you see. You are kind to those most in need. And inshallah, you seek knowledge, reflect, and read. So the word inshallah means God willing. And so it's mm. a way to, and that's why it's sort of like a, a prayer almost for, for the child. So um, it's sort of like weaving in aspects and hopes and aspirations, as well as sort of like using the, the faith as a moral compass to talk to this child. Um, and it's a very... Uh, it starts with the birth of the child and you see in all the pictures that are reflective of how the child is growing and who the child is around. And I feel like there's a nice um, intertwining of ideas of nature and nurture within, mm -hmm. within this. And it's so simple and it's so, um, you know, it's, it's literally like one word on each page, <laughs> like two lines, but it's, it's really lovely. And, um, there are elements of uh, diversity included in there. There's a child in a wheelchair, uh, you know, so there, there are elements of diff and, and different sort of situations. There's a situation where the children do something wrong and, and they, they actually go and apologize. And it says, inshallah, you speak truth and work for its sake. So it's this mm. idea of, you know, like just things that we do want to teach our children, right? To be yeah. honest and be truthful <laughs> and be kind. We hope gentle. so. <laughs> well, we want to teach them. I'm not saying that they do it. <laughs> so it's just a gentle way to sort of reinforce that that kind of messaging. And um, I think what's interesting about it is that I think most Muslim families will recognize the Quranic verses that inspired the author, but they're not like blatant or in your face or anything. But it's just it's just again a, a way to feel seen, and um, they are. Uh, calligraphy in it arabic calligraphy in there mm. which is also really wonderful and you know again the illustrations and the text really work very harmoniously in this one so um so i would say yeah do, do check it out and uh again it's probably more for younger kids i'd say three to seven years old and it would pair very nicely with um i don't know if you guys know of this book called yo soy muslim yes which is Yes, so the, it would just be a great sort of, you know, first step, and then you could go to the other book, which is, expands on this idea of, of, of children living their faith. And I think the other, Yosu and Muslim would also be about how the world sees them, but this one is just like, you know, very concentrated on the parents' hopes and aspirations and teachings for their child. So this is really lovely. I want, I, I, I really hope that they, that they put this out in a board book edition. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I that that's I want you to see it actually. I I would love for you guys to see, because right now it's a picture book, but mm -hmm. I like what you said because I think it would that's interesting. I would I would it would be interesting to know why they chose to put it as a picture book as opposed to right. mm. but I, I'm guessing it's because the illustrations are just too gorgeous. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm looking at just what I can see on, um, you know, on the Amazon preview right now. And it's absolutely just splendid. Like, I love that, like you mentioned, the nature. It's just, there's mm -hmm. like the botanicals and kind of the organic lines. It's just right. really beautiful. But I could see it. And I would love to see it in a large format board book because I feel like um, representation in board books is so limited yeah. um, that this would just translate beautifully to that. It would it would because also like it, it's fairly simple like it's just two like lines on each page so maybe it would 
that would be an interesting question to the publishers, actually. I yeah. think I'm going to reach out to the publisher and make this question. <laughs> do it. I have, I have a couple friends over at Chronicle. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the last book that I wanted to talk about is called The Unexpected Friend, a Rohingya children's story. So this book is actually um, done by a very small publisher called Guba Publishing. They do books that are bilingual, so they do English oh. and Bengali, so Bangla, or if you want to be more specific. So Bengali is spoken mostly in Bangladesh and in West Bengal in India. Um, so they have both versions in English and in Bangla, I believe. Um, and this particular book is um, about a boy who's growing up in a camp a refugee camp a rohingya boy growing up in a refugee camp in bangladesh because um i'm not sure how many of your listeners are familiar with the rohingya they're a minority group who um live in burma or myanmar as it is now known and they've been facing persecution since the 1990s but mm. um i think over a million have been persecuted and have um now become refugees and i think the most Glaring one of the crises was in August of 2017. So a lot of people from Burma, the Rohingya from Burma, moved to Bangladesh in a place called Cox's Bazaar, where they're living in refugee camps. And they've done this story in collaboration with Save the Children. Um, and it's a really very sweet story. It's not one of those stories where they're explaining to you everything about the Rohingya. It's about this young boy who finds a bird an injured bird in the bushes in the camp and then he takes it home and he and his family his sisters and his mom sort of mend the bird's um broken wing and uh, as it happens the boy as part of their duties in the camp go into the into the wild to to find firewood to burn for their stove etc and he injures his arm so he develops a relationship with the bird as, <laughs> as the bird is you know getting better and he's getting better and we see a little bit of their life um what what their life is in these kind of camps as well as just you know developing tenderness and um uh, I know you used the word earlier about normalizing, but really it's about humanizing um, these people all over again, the people who are completely ignored and facing genocide in today's world. And um, I mean, sorry, that's my editorializing on this. Uh, the, story <laughs> is, the story is rather uh, simple and sweet, but it just becomes more profound because of where it's situated. And I think uh, the illustrations are also capture uh the the vibrancy and the sense of hope that this family has and their and just their love and attention towards this little bird and in the end they actually set the bird free which is uh which is a very sort of sweet um so it's a sweet story but it's a great way to sort of talk about what's happening um in Myanmar at this moment in time yeah. and what's happening to the Rohingya community at this moment in time and all profits from this book actually um go to save the children uh, oh, wow. the relief fund. so it's a really really important book that's amazing to, to talk about am i seeing that it, it it's coming out in november 1st 2020 so um i think if you go to their website and um i still have to put up my review of this on my personal website but um 
I know that you can go to Gruba Publishing and find it on their website, but I think they were going to do a sort of a re-release in the U.S. If I'm got not it. mistaken, so um, and and I know these publishers, so if you want to get in touch with them, get a copy or something, like I'd be happy to put you in touch with them because they are looking for um, for you know just just to spread the word about this important book so um i think they're doing a re-release in october is what she she mentioned to me oh neat yeah i i also think it's 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 always nice when um trying to gather my thoughts here when you know when you know that some of the money is actually going towards something related to what we're talking about in the book is always really um it's really nice to see when publishers are able to do that. I think it's encouraging also because, um, you know, uh, when we were doing our book, which was an overview of presumption literature, we found that we wanted to talk about certain communities, but there are very few books about yeah. those communities. But, you know, again, I would just caution, this is not an own voices books, but the authors and the illustrators are in Bangladesh, are Bangladeshi. Mm -hmm. So they have interacted with this community. So while it's not a Rohingya Muslim telling their story, it's sort of like a person who's done their research and knows this community. They're, they're not just, and, and is trying to give back to that community. Yeah. So I think those are kind of um, things that one should look for in, in books that are not necessarily own voices. I think you should still try and see who's the author, what's their background, who are the illustrators, what is their background, who is yeah, the publisher, absolutely. you know, and those are sort of things that give you a good sense of um, who they are, what they're trying to do, and, you know, just um, just ways in which educators can sort of, you know, one layer of uh, a checklist, if you will, mm -hmm. as to right. how good this story is, or should I believe this person or not, or what. <laughs> I mean, everyone has their own subjective views, but at least certain things you can can try and research and find out mm -hmm. and i also review a bunch of these i've reviewed um uh, uh i'll put up my rohingya review soon on on my um on my website as well lanternreads.org so I, I still try and do more detailed reviews now of uh, south asian books and muslim children's literature on that site so and can you say that? Can you say the name of your website one more time? Yeah, it's Lantern Reads. L A N T E R N R E A D S Reads dot org. Now I know if my spelling is great or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We've already established that I can't count to two, so don't you worry. Count, about I got spelled. All right. So. The perfect people to be shepherding <laughs> listeners through these stories. <laughs> uh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Thank I'm you for sharing to those. Explore your website now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, thank you for thank you both for uh, sharing those. I'm I'm excited to. It's always exciting to me to when I'm learning about books that I haven't heard of before, uh, especially when we're doing so much research on these topics. I feel like I've seen them all, uh, and I'm always uh, wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is great because I'm glad that there are so many books about you know some of these topics that. Um, that there are ones that I've never even heard of. So I'm excited to explore the ones that you shared. Thank you. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, some of these newer books, like the, like, um, like the moon loves the sky. Um, that's, you know, I, we have 
uh, on our references and we always have a list of additional reading for every topic that we cover for shift. And so I, I need to remind myself to constantly go in and refresh and make sure that I'm getting these new wonderful books that are being published, um, get the, you know, get that list updated for, so folks have, have a, some more information at their fingertips. And my child is walking into the room right now. <laughs> Well, it sounds adorable, so I, I, I love those interviews when kids just come in and they're like, yep. but mom? We, we've seen it all on this show. <laughs> all right, so uh, thank you. Thank you both for being here today, uh, especially thank you, Sadaf, for uh, being our special, special guest. Yes. Um, no, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun, very enjoyable. Yes, well, um, yeah, I guess... On that note, have a have a wonderful rest of your days. Um, and uh, that sounds like that sounds weird. Have a wonderful day, rest of your day. I don't know. I can't talk today. <laughs> like I said, like rest in peace. Like rest it's of your life. days. Have a have a nice life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just go on and have a nice life. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it have to oh my gosh. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but anyway, yeah. It's, uh, Remember, stay rad.